Hi and welcome to episode 45 of the This Is Reportage podcast. My name is Alan Law, I'm the founder of This Is Reportage and This Is Reportage family and I'm a photographer too. Super to talk to the fab Anna Hardy today. Anna was originally a wedding photographer and has transitioned fully to family photographer now as well as being an educator too. She was also one of our judges for our first collection over on our documentary family photography sister site, This Reportage Family. Anna shares so much with us today, including top tips for if you're a wedding photographer looking to get into family photography, an exhilarating story of one of her skydives going wrong and how that links in with the importance of doing things your own way in life and business, why empathy is vital to family work and things you can do to boost that, tips on marketing and how to get more family clients and so much more. This is Reportage and this Reportage family members receive an exclusive discount on Anna's The Roost online family photography course too. Sign into your account and visit the members area to see how to get this exclusive discount. Right, over to Anna. Hey Anna, how are you doing? Hello, I'm well, thank you. Are you? Good, yes, I'm I'm okay. I'm all right, I'm all right. Yeah, how's how's things in with you in general? Um yeah, well how's it how's it been with you this whole we're gonna talk about COVID at some point, so I might as well start, <laughs> you know, right now. How are you? How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Hopefully COVID free for now. Uh, <laughs> That's good, um, my kids have both gone back to school now, so although how long that will be, I don't know because it seems like every school is sort of sending people back. And oh, are you having ones um, closing near you already? Are you? <laughs> yeah, well, a kid in my my eldest son Joe is in year eleven, and I got he was back for three days, I think, and then I got an email from the school saying one of the kids in year twelve had been sent home testing positive, but because he's not in his bubble. Uh, the the massive bubble of 150 kids that's quite a big bubble (laughs) I know um but yeah it it thankfully didn't affect us you know yet so I don't know it's just we all it's just waiting and seeing isn't it but yeah we're the kids are really happy to be back in school and um it's we're enjoying a bit more of a sort of not normal routine but more normal than it has been so Mm, that's true I mean same for me my kids went back on Monday um how are you finding it it's been odd isn't it because we've been with them for these months constantly and then suddenly it's so quiet it's strange yeah I know are your are your kids were they happy to go back they were luckily yeah five-year-old and eight-year-old and they they were happy yeah were yours yeah they were they were fine I think my my 15 year old was champing at the bit to sort of uh, get away from mom I think but um, <laughs> yeah, he's um no they've been fine it's um are yeah. you missing it though I yeah I am although to be fair throughout lockdown I had because I'm sort of separated from their dads it's I had I had day or days I had like chunks of time when it was just me and the kids but then they went to their dads I had them uh, so I had been enjoying days of (laughs) peace (laughs) lockdown which I know not all parents have had so I'm quite conscious I've probably been quite lucky in that respect (laughs) that's true I guess that is true (laughs) (laughs) I'm lucky to be away from my kid you know I love no I know what you mean but I think the sort of relentlessness that a lot of parents have felt I've been quite lucky to have little reprieves from that so yeah it's um but it is nice to it's been in it's not been within the normal routine that we'd have so it's although I've had little tasters of it and it's 
it's nice to sort of feel like it's relatively normal that it's you know that they're at school I'm working while they're at school like I would normally so and how how has COVID been affecting your business because obviously and we'll talk about you know you going from weddings into family and stuff and you do you know so much family work now how you know for wedding photographers obviously it's affected us massively with weddings not being able to go ahead how has it been you know affecting you as a family photographer now well, oh, I mean, first of all, I just want to say, I mean, my heart absolutely goes out to wedding photographers because, I mean, again, I feel like I was sort of lucky in that respect in that I'd sort of, I'd stopped doing them before this anyway. So it's something that I've sort of dodged a bit of a bullet with that, really. And it's just, I, it's just heartbreaking what's happening to the wedding industry. And it's so hard, you know, all my, I mean, loads of my friends are wedding photographers and it's just you know, every time they feel like they've kind of got things sorted, it's like another piece of news comes out and that scuppers, you know, whatever arrangements they'd made. And it's just, I think it's this, it's so difficult not being able to at least plan for the future. You can cope with hard times, can't you? As as long as you can make a plan and you can see like your exit strategy out of the problem, whereas it's like the goalposts just keep being moved, don't they? So it's so hard to make any plans and it's it's difficult um family photography's not been hit as hard I mean obviously it completely vanished for several months during sort of March to June July it was just non-existent um I did doorstep shoots like a lot a lot of photographers did all over the country yeah that was a real um that had like loads of real unexpected benefits as well, actually. It, it was, um, I oh, think, what, like? well, I think a lot of us did it as just sort of a way to keep sane and keep working, you know, mm. and bring in a little bit of basic income. I mean, it was really, I mean, I was probably earning less than minimum wage doing it, but it was at least it was some wage, you know, because yeah. um, I'm a limited company. So I sort of fell through the, gaps nightmare as well then that's awful I know yeah well I know loads of photographers in the same boat so I think a lot of us did it sort of out of necessity and and just a way to sort of keep working um and keep sane um but actually it was just such a real heartwarming thing to do it was um it was great sort of giving all that pleasure to families and also seeing lots of smiles and resilience and hearing other people's stories. It, it made the whole lockdown a lot less lonely. Oh, that's cool. But also from a business point of view, it was great because you got your name out in the community. I know loads of photographers who actually it's been almost like the making of them now that they've got all these contacts and all this this sort of warm audience who already now knows and likes and trusts them who hopefully they can then shoot for in the future uh, that makes sense yeah that is quite a bit of a silver lining isn't it that's true yeah mm-hmm. I think it's like when needs must it's sort of yeah I know a couple of photographers who were really sort of um like not stalling but you know struggling to kind of get off the blocks with their mm-hmm. photography business and actually I think it it had a really good effective sort of almost like just chucking you in at the deep end so it's like whereas if the pandemic hadn't happened you might sort of dip your toe in slowly and be a bit cautious and not quite dare to take the leap it was like 
it just basically just pushed you in, didn't it? And so you- that is so true. I think yeah. a lot of people have felt that. I felt like that as well with things. And one of the, you know, I think I always would have um, created this reportage family, but it, it, it was definitely, in, it gave me that impetus to do it right now at this time, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing is we're so, um, you know, particularly photographers, because we're sort of primarily creatives, before business people usually um that we the confidence thing is re- oh I'm so sorry that's my <laughs> that's okay that's highly unprofessional sorry I'll, I'll turn that off you're gonna have to read off. out whatever that notification is <laughs> I, so put, I was so clear I put my phone on silent totally forgot to turn my emails off I'm so sorry um, I can't remember what I was saying now that's totally thrown me <laughs> Uh, you're saying how we were uh, photographers and creatives originally and stuff yeah so I think confidence of about putting ourselves out there is something that we really really struggle with and actually what the pandemic has forced us to do is to actually go do you know what you just need to get over that and put yourself out there because we need to earn a living you know and it's kind of almost like you know metaphorically grabbed us by the ear and dragged us out the door and made us do the things that we probably would have done anyway but we would have probably just taken a lot longer to get around to doing it it's so true I wondered what you're going to say when you say grabbed the grabbed <laughs> them by the ear. <laughs> it's the PG-13 version I like it <laughs> I'm highly respectable Alan I don't know what you thought it was going to come out with <laughs> <laughs> no but it is so true because it's also like well, what's the worst that could happen like, the worst is kind of happening now so you might as well go for it and try exactly. because yeah it's true so well let's let's delve into your journey then because you talked about people starting family photography you know you started with weddings didn't you and yeah. and then you transitioned into family photography so can you tell us about that you know how you got started in weddings and then why and how you made the transition to you know like everything really just tell us everything you know? <laughs> It's a dangerous thing to say to a chatterbox like me. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give you the canned version. <laughs> um, is yeah. So I was. I'm self-taught. I used to be an English teacher, a secondary school teacher. Did you? Um, oh, well, cool. Yeah. Um, and then I left to travel, intending to go back to it. Bought an SLR, a film SLR, because it was because I'm ancient, <laughs> and um, they brought they got the bug, came back. What bug? Is it your fault? Is it is <laughs> all this? <isn't> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and got the got the photography bug. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> then um, yeah, came back to the UK, wanted, and then set basically set up my photography business. So this was about thirteen years ago. Um, and I initially started shooting weddings primarily because I wanted to shoot people and I felt that that was the most reliable way to pay the bills Mm -hmm. Um, and then discovered that I loved it and that really sort of took off and I just shot weddings for several years and then as I got more wedding clients and they then sort of got married and went on to have kids they started coming back to me asking if I would uh, photograph their growing families and so the family photography started quite organically that way and then over the years I've sort of been shooting families regularly for about seven years now and uh, the more I did the more I just realized that this was really where my passion was and so about three years ago I stopped shooting um sort of two to well three years ago I made the decision to stop shooting weddings and I shot my last one 
sort of yeah two to three years ago having made the decision three to four years ago to stop the weddings right, okay. just shoot families cool and you got out at a good time as you said earlier oh I know it's um well I'm hoping that you know it will you will all see a, a real revival I mean think yeah. of all the joy it that you experience at weddings anyway and think how much extra joy there's going to be after having had to do without environment oh, yeah. so long it, it's yeah. so true yeah 2021 roll on 2021 please oh, yeah, they back, they'll come back with an absolute vengeance and people will appreciate them all the more so I'm really hopeful that whatever struggles wedding photographers are experiencing now they will be repaid and more once you know yeah all picks up I really so true so for you personally then you know making that transition from weddings to families you must have seen a lot of pluses you know there must have been you know various reasons why you did it what you know why did you go from weddings to family then and 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 why have you chosen not to you know because a lot of people or some people keep shooting weddings as well as families and you know some people do exclusively one or the other why for you personally have you gone exclusively um into families Sure. Um, well, initially I did do both. So for quite a few years, I um, initially it was like I was a wedding photographer, but then I started doing families as like an extra. Mm. Then once I realised how much I loved them, I started offering it as like another equal service. So I was like a wedding and family photographer and I had the two areas on my website, one, you know, the wedding section and the family section. Mm. And they quite happily coexisted for quite a few years, I'd say, like sort of, you know, three there were at least three years, I'd say, where I did sort of both equally. Um, and then it was just a bit of a natural thing. It wasn't that I um, didn't like weddings. I love, I mean, I shot weddings for well over a decade. You know, it, I really enjoyed them. Um, but it was, to be completely honest, it was the the hours started to take their toll a little bit. Um, I just wanted my weekends back, really. I didn't, I'd already spent, a decade with very few weekends and I just started missing you know like barbecues and Sunday dinners and things like that with my friends and family mm-hmm. and seeing my own kids yeah especially um, when they're at school isn't it and then you yeah, yeah don't get to see them much and you're working all the weekends exactly I mean it was great in terms of with kids because I was always around in the week and you know it was sort of I know that people who have every job has its uh pluses and minuses doesn't it and a lot of people who are in nine to five yeah they've got their weekends free but then they often struggle with childcare in the week and not you know so I it was I was able to see a lot of my kids but I really missed the weekends and um and also I just felt like I was maybe getting not not too old because it's not too old (laughs) but I found that I was identifying more with like the parents of the bride and groom (laughs) than the bride and groom and I just felt like I was sort of the things that I I found myself getting distracted at weddings by almost like the sort of sub stories to it like the kids under the table or the pet the the look Mm. parent spaces and I found that actually it was all the sort of parent and child stuff at the wedding that was really getting to me and you know really getting under my skin and at the same time loving doing the family shoots and it just it just sort of started presenting itself really as like something that I wanted to do for both positive reasons and to stop the negative things of um you know all my weekends going Mm -hmm. 
totally makes sense was it was it scary though you know when you made that decision to like fully finish weddings and go all in in family photography was it a scary time yeah it really was and but I'm I'm a real firm anyone who's kind of who kind of knows me or have heard me heard me say this before is like a firm believer in like leap and the net will appear and I think when you commit to something you make it work a bit like we were just saying with the doorstep shoots and you know and sort of mm-hmm. pandemic um, emergency measures you know it's kind of like when you go right well this has to work now then you make it work because it has to work and you've committed to it and there's something very scary about like publicly saying right I've stopped now and um you almost feel like you're making it up I remember when I first said right no more weddings now it's just family and announced it it felt like I was sort of yeah just making it up <laughs> it must have been quite surreal and did yeah. the, the last wedding that you shot did the bride and groom know it was like your last wedding yeah I was so lucky with it I mean to be honest I was lucky my whole wedding career like the couples were just lovely you know almost without exception you know if not without exception it was the my last couple were just so so lovely it was over in um east yorkshire and um yeah it was it was they made it really special actually and I but I was so glad I felt like it really it finished with a bang you know they were like it was exactly the wedding that I would have wanted to have ended with they were just lovely and and actually I just just before about two weeks before lockdown did um a family shoot for them they've now got a little a little boy Zachary Uh, so yeah yeah so I'm still in touch with them now they're lovely um yeah it felt weird but you have to everything if you don't ever expand your comfort zone you'll never kind of grow will you you know you have to sometimes do things that feel a bit scary I'm such a firm believer in that yeah even though I get nervous about so many different things I still try and just say yes to things and do them you know and I think that's been a a very good thing yeah definitely um you mentioned about jumping and the nets um will appear there I I read on your about me pays that you used to jump out of planes in your 20s that's a good that's it did you have that mentality when you were doing that you know did you what was that literally parachute jumping was it yeah I did so the first one that I did was one for charity it was I was working at the time um it was just before I did my teach training actually and I was doing working in an office in Manchester um, and the, about I think there were about eight of us all did you know a parachute jump for charity the sort of um, uh, intending it to be as like a one-off um, so we did it but then me and um, this other guy Neil um, we both just loved it and we were like right I, I want to train to do this so we both um, he I couldn't uh, didn't have a car at the time and so he used to drive us we were both in Manchester and he used to drive us, it was um, t- at Tilstock Airfield in Shropshire, near Whitchurch, and we'd go, and yeah, sort of trained up and trained to do it, so. Uh, how many have you done then, like how many jumps? Well, not that many, actually, I've only done 11, which well, that's, is like, that's a lot still. <laughs> well, it's not compared to people who do it, you know, I mean, that was sort of doing it most weekends over kind of, you know, a year, um actually Neil we, we stopped going in the end because Neil um met um a lady who is uh, now his wife I think actually and yeah. um, so it's all for a good call <laughs> um but she 
uh, yeah, he obviously wanted to see her at weekends and he was my lip there. <laughs> so it all kind of just, uh, it's it it. naturally, yeah. And I had a, on my 10th jump, I had to go to reserves. I had to do a reserve run, which sort of shit me up a little bit. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't even know. What does that mean? What's well, that? I, I had to cut my main parachute. Oh, the, oh no, no, not really. Yeah. So oh. it, I made myself do another one after that because I thought if I don't, do it then I won't ever do it again so I did I did do another one after that and then and then Neil stopped going and so it kind of just fizzled out but um but that is mental jumping out of plane you know I get nervous I don't know why I talk about nerves so often but I get nervous shooting weddings obviously you know it goes you know after the first like eight hours or what no no it goes it goes earlier than that but um (laughs) but I'm throwing yourself out of a plane I mean that is hardcore I mean does that when you've done something like that does it make other things in life less scary or is that a cliche that's not actually true I don't know I don't know really um I kind of think different things scare different people like there are some people who might find jumping out of a plane not that scary but then be terrified about I don't know like asking someone out on a date or starting their own business or do you know what I mean and and vice versa so I don't know I mean certainly what I found with um skydiving which I really wasn't expecting is that actually I got more scared the more I did Um, yeah I kind of expected that the first one I'd crap myself and then after that it'd just be like a doddle but actually I got increasingly more nervous um the more I did Um, but you still push yourself to do it then that's cool yeah I do remember yeah it's um (laughs) yeah it was (laughs) I remember the, the well, it's called the jump master, who's like the guy in charge or, or lady in charge who sits in the plane with you and like orders the pilot, tells the pilot when to cut the engines and tells you, you know, when it's your turn to go out. They're kind of like in charge. Okay. And I remember get, doing it like and him just saying, just look, look in my eyes and don't look. So as you so as I'd stare at him, he was called Pat. And he had this, he reminded me a bit of like, you know, Lord Flasher out of Blackout. <laughs> oh, no, I've never watched Blackout, actually. It's like Rick Mayle's character, but he had oh, like okay. this outrageous big moustache and was sort of like, yeah, he was great. But he used to just say, just look at, so as you jump out the plane, I'd just look at Pat and keep, you know, keep eye contact. And he was laughing. He was like, honestly, your face as you were out. <laughs> have you got photos of you doing it? Was that in like, have you got like GoPro footage? Was that in the days before GoPro and stuff? Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. This was how old. So I was, this was probably 20 years ago that I used oh, wow. to do this. Yeah. Cause I'm 42 now. And this was, yeah, like early 20s. But um, I've only got I, my first one. I didn't do any, all the ones that I did on my own, I didn't have footage of. But the first one that I did, the tan, which was a tandem one, so I didn't have to do anything. I was just strapped to um, the instructor. And then I did get a video of that. A different guy jumped out at the same time with a camera on his home. Oh, cool. Have you still got that? Have you... No, it's on. It, do you know what? I really wanted it. It's on video as well. So <laughs> I don't even know if I could play it now. I remember it was, um, it got that, what's it called? Is it, was it Kenny Loggins? If I remember his name, that Danger Zone. Oh yeah, from Top Gun. That's classic. <laughs> <laughs> as the soundtrack and um That's yeah cool. just uh it's quite funny I would like to dig it out but I don't know I think it's probably you've got to you've got to find it digitize it it'd be so cool you know I was randomly listening to that song whilst uh washing up like last week actually there you did go. it get you in the zone it did yeah I, I scrubbed very hard it was cool <laughs> 
<laughs> but as, as well as you doing that, I love that you do the skydiving. I think that's so cool. Um, but you also mentioned that you're you're learning to fly yourself. Are you are you are you flying things? Well, I have. It's had to start. I haven't done it obviously in, since COVID. It's sitting in a small Cessna with you know wow. the So I've not done it um, since. Well, yeah, just before the pandemic. But my for my. 40th birthday my dad bought me a flying lesson because he knew I'd always wanted to learn to fly a plane and um so I I did that and then yeah I kind of carried on learning um but then pandemic happened it's quite expensive though it's sort of uh, yeah so it's not something you can kind of do every weekend but um, that's very cool though uh, but you know there's a new flight simulator game that i've got which is uh uses the actual you know the, the uh bing map data of the world you should get that now that'd be cheaper oh right okay now i'll look for that yeah that's good so it's actually i mean it's really kind of, i kind of thought oh i bet it's dead simple once you you know it looks complicated but i bet it's really simple and it's just not it's like they show you all the dials and you're just like i will never ever learn all of this but it's um but no i i loved it It just went i did it at, um um uh, oh gosh what's it called it like city airport just um near where i live in manchester um, were yeah. you scared for doing i'd be so scared doing that were you scared doing that no um not uh, only sort of scared in case like the plane malfunctions <laughs> i'm not scared <laughs> about like being up in the sky and that thing it's more okay. you know, i guess it uh, no not really um well, like your instructor gets like really is it just you and one other instructor in the plane yeah it's like it's ancient it's this really old Cessna it's like it's about the size of you know like I don't know like a downstairs loo under the stairs <laughs> tiny little thing it's just you and um oh, you and them and there's little space to put your bag behind the seats um <laughs> yeah just, it sounds terrifying to me is there a way <laughs> it's really cool though you feel I mean it's just like it's really peace it's just so peaceful and you're kind of although certain things as well made me laugh because I sort of always assumed there was a real complicated high-tech way of doing everything but like when you turn he was like so just just lift up the wing now and I was like well why he's like well, just to make sure there's nothing there like you're just <laughs> So you kind of like before you turn, you just lift it just like you would in a car, like check your blind spot. You oh, do right, wow. as well. So I was like, oh, so you just look out the window to see the planes there. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't the radar do that? He's like, well, I'm not going to rely on that. <laughs> oh, that's quite that's interesting. I, I have no clear about any of that kind of stuff. Um, cool. I enjoyed that little uh, heights adrenaline oh, flying segue. That was good. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry, it's totally photography unrelated. Everyone's... Oh no, but it's good. I like that. I like that. Um, <laughs> but let's go. Let's go back to photography for a second. You you recently judged for our very first This Is Reportage Family collection. Thanks again. It's awesome. Um, can you tell us about that? Did you did you enjoy it? You know, any tips for you know as a judge because you were seeing all the images and stories. Any tips for people? entering at all yeah oh do you know what I thanks so much for having me to do that I loved it it was a real treat like um you it's awesome to have you oh I I really really love being part of it thanks so much and it was just the the pictures were just gorgeous and they were so sort of um moving and I think I mean you were saying like in terms of tips I think as photographers we're we're very visual creatures so there's the 
the, the temptation is to fix very much on kind of light and composition and creating this sort of aesthetically beautiful shot, which of course is we want to do as well. But, you know, the ones that it's, you want ones that really kind of hit you in the gut, you know, that just really grab, grab your heart. And there were so many of those, so many where, and it doesn't have to necessarily be really serious moments, you know. I mean, some of them were incredibly serious, moving moments. But it, even just like the little light-hearted stuff, but just those little moments when you see like that real moment of joy or that real like belly laugh or, you know, just those something where you you instantly connect with it emotionally and you think yeah I, I I've either I've felt that before or if I've not I can tell what that would feel like you know it's mm -hmm. so and connecting empathetically with your subject mm -hmm. is really key interestingly actually I, I got messaged by a few people who had won the uh, you know the awards oh cool and and there was somewhere, I think, like, they, they were really shocked because they were like, you know, I'd just taken it of, like, my own family. And it, it's, I think they'd sort of almost, like, discounted it because they haven't got the confidence then to do it with other families. But a lot of the reason why you you take such um, good photos of your own family is because you love them. So you're emotionally invested in them already. You're already empathetic towards them. You're already in tune with how they feel. So you, you just, I'm not saying you should love your clients in the same way as your family. Obviously you're not. Adopt everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that same, um, you have to care about them. You have to, um, emotionally connect with them and think like how are they feeling what what do they care about what's important to them in this moment you know what's mm -hmm. going through their mind and that's when all the magic starts to happen in photos so I think um you know and there was loads of that in all the entries there was so much sort of heart and soul and love it was great Oh, that's cool. Thank you. I mean, it's an awesome collection that you curated there. The results were amazing. And, and that's great. That's really interesting to hear from you then. And that empathy, especially, you know, how how do you how do you think you get that with your your families? I mean, does it help? Do you get information from them beforehand about their specific interests? I mean, do you do you spend time at the beginning of a shoot to like get to know them before photographing or anything? You know, do you have any tips on kind of building that kind of rapport and that empathy? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think it's really important. So um, I always send a questionnaire out beforehand and I don't just ask, you know, name, address. I, I ask lots of questions about them, what they enjoy doing, what their kids are into. I ask them to sort of describe their perfect day. And it, it's it's really nice, actually. Loads of people. Sometimes you get ones that come back where they've just, you know, they've just kind of trotted it out dead quickly because they're in, in a rush or yeah. can't be bothered or whatever. But <laughs> loads of them um go into like loads of detail and it's quite people like talking about themselves so it's kind of often you get these real long ones and it's so nice because you kind of feel like then you already know them a little bit before you get there and it gives you loads of stuff to ask them about and to talk about and it's often really interesting it's just I really enjoy getting to know people so mm, I just rather than be sort of going because when you're there working it's you know the pressure's on it's harder to think of things on the hoof the hoof hoof <laughs> I can't even think how you say that word now <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. 
I suggested you used a different phrase, shouldn't I? I like it. I like it. Yeah. Huff or hoof? What? I say huff. I say huff. I think. <laughs> a horse's huff. <laughs> right. I say so many things wrongly, though. I think. But yeah, huff. No huff. No hoof. Huff. Oh. To the seed of doubt. Now. Um, yeah. So like. <laughs> I can't think what another old phrase for it is. But anyway, you know, when you're under pressure, it's harder to think. But so I make sure that in the car beforehand, before I go in, I reread their questionnaire and I, you know, I'll sort of make sure. So I can ask them think about things that are interesting or that they might want to talk about. And it's um, and I just see the shooters getting to know them. I, you know, don't think of it as like I'm there to take pictures. Think I'm there to really get to know this family. That's cool. Mm. makes sense totally um and uh, something that i, I want to touch upon and that's and, and may sound may sound crass to talk about but money's an important a part of what we do as well as businesses you know and we've got to pay the bills and i yeah. think you know a, a common misconception of family photography can be that you know you can't earn as much money as weddings you know but but how, how have you found that because you're obviously making money and you know living and doing really well so yeah what what do you think about that yeah, well, firstly, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's like this sort of money mindset, I think, is something that holds a lot of photographers back because we almost feel like we shouldn't be wanting that or that shouldn't be the focus because we should be doing it because of the love of photography. And, you know, and of course there are valid reasons. There are lots of reasons. There doesn't have to be just one reason why you love it. You can love photography and want to do it for all these honourable and artistic reasons whilst also needing and wanting to support your family and mm, make exactly. enough money to get you know and we need to lots of us we need our photography to pay our bills and support our families there's no there's n nothing wrong with wanting and needing to make a decent living out of it no sure so yeah absolutely no apologies for for <laughs> that at all I don't think it's crass it's just you know practical and reasonable mm, yeah. Um, and yeah certainly the the amounts per shoot are less than weddings so you you will obviously need to do more shoots to get more bookings to earn the same amount um mm. but again it just depends what you're charging you know the the more you charge the less shoots you need to book to earn the same amount so mm. um but it it's not it's different to, because you have to book more, you have to be much more proactive with marketing, I think. I mean, I would argue that actually in today's climate, with the wedding industry being so um, competitive and saturated, I actually think marketing is now, you know, just, just as essential for wedding photographers, but it's especially so for family photographers. And you're living hand to mouth a lot more with weddings I used to know what my income would be months in advance because you're booked so far in advance you can plan you know when the gaps are going to be and you can try and fill them a few months in advance whereas family photography it tends to sort of sometimes they book you a few months in advance but generally speaking they'll book you for within the next month or two uh, okay yeah I was going to ask about that that's quite yeah. different so actually yeah. is that is that yeah, that was being, it would be just something that would scare me a little bit more. But you do, I guess you get used to that then, you know, not having, not knowing what your income is going to be in 12 months. Yeah. And you have to, um, you, you really have to just embrace marketing. You just, I know a lot of us photographers, we don't like sort of, you know, promoting ourselves, but 
to be blunt you just have to get over it mm. like it's sort of you know if you need and want to pay the bills with it you, you know it's got to be done and you need um, a regular stream of leads so you need to be regularly generating you know new leads you need to be regularly sort of trying to get these people through the door and you need to yeah you just have to be a lot more on it with that um okay. and yeah it is and you have to price it if you're wanting to make a full-time living out of it you can't price it as just like a cheap all-in fee um you'll get the work but you'll absolutely burn yourself out you know it's sort of and you'd have to book so many shoots to make a living that way um you know you need to price it appropriately um and charge what you're worth and um and you can do it it just takes you just need to have sort of confidence in it and you have to have a plan and a system you can't kind of wing it as much <laughs> you know yeah no that's cool and I mean, that's also good what you're saying. And I've been listening to you recently as well, because I've been um, doing bits of your Roost online course, which is oh. brilliant. <laughs> and and what you say is so good. Um, and, uh, you, and you do lots of training, don't you? So, you, you know, you've done lots of training in the past with workshops and mentorings and things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you tell us a bit more about that, um, about your a whole, all your training that, that you do? Yeah, sure. Um, it's actually really changing this month as well. Um, my the Roost workshop that you mentioned, my um, sort of family photography course, which goes through all the sort of specifics of how you need to tailor your business, your photography business to shooting families, because it doesn't work in the same way as weddings and other types. Um, that I'm continuing to run, so that's been going for a few years, and that's going to continue. But all the other stuff that I've been doing, so I've been doing mentoring, um, in-person one-to-one mentoring, online one-to-one mentoring. I've been doing portfolio reviews, website reviews. I've got branding, marketing, and productivity courses called the Toolkits. Um, That's a lot of training. That is a lot. (laughs) So basically, I was spreading myself far too thinly. And I, I, you know, if you, you can kind of, if you just try and do too much, you end up doing not, you know, you can't put as much into any of them because you're, do, you're just trying to, you know, juggle too much. So what I've actually done now is stopped offering all of those things and sort of amalgamated it all into one offering and decided to focus on people in the process of setting up their photography business. So now that's all going to be rolled. Um, all those resources are kind of rolled together um, into uh, a membership for um, fledgling photographers sort of in the early days of setting up their photography business Um, so there'll be like the mentoring will be incorporated in that there'll be like group calls but you can also add on sort of one-to-one if you want as like an extra Um, but it's only available through that now and the sort of reviews and all the content that was in the toolkits is getting sort of you know put into there and so it's all just tying it together um, and I'll be able to I know that having this focus now will I'll be able to deliver it so much more efficiently for not spreading myself in 15 different directions (laughs) that makes sense oh yeah that sounds good idea yeah exciting so that that is that's not launched right yet is it is there somewhere people can go to to get notified when it is ready and things can I put a link in the in the link on the the podcast the post on our site and stuff yeah of course you can I will send you the link to it it's um yeah it's not open for enrollment yet it's going to launch on Monday the 5th 
of October. And um, so in about three, well, three weeks time as we're chatting now, I don't know when this is going to go out, but um, three weeks from now, but there's a wait list that you can, if you think you might be interested, you can um, just pop yourself on the wait list and there will be, then you'll be notified as soon as it goes live. And there's also a um, special discount for everyone who's on the wait list. Uh, so. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, people, if you're listening now, whilst running, I always say whilst running, but I don't. I hate <laughs> running. So maybe people are doing some more. Th- My wife listens to podcasts while uh, doing housework and stuff, which maybe people do as well. I don't know. Well, however you're enjoying this at the moment, um, if you do head to thisreportage.com and the, the posts that I'll put up for this podcast, I'll include um, a link through to, to that. Anna, that's cool. And by the way, anyone who's listening, if you are a member of uh, TIR or TIR family, then we have an, a discount for Anna's The Roost um, Family Photography Online course, which I'm doing myself, which is brilliant as well. So, yeah, that's all good. Cool. Anna, let, let's um, let's change tack slightly. <laughs> okay. um, when you, A random question. But when you've reached old age, when you've reached old age and you're looking back at your life, what would you like to think about the life you've led? Um, oh, <laughs> well... I'm just going to have to give you a hugely cheesy answer now, aren't I? (laughs) Cheese is good. I like cheese. Cheese is good. Um, Well, I mean, I I guess aside from the obvious one of, you know, full of love with lots of, you know, people that I love, um, I would say adventure. I'd like it to have been full of adventure. That's cool. The main thing. Yeah. That's cool. that's a good word to sum up a life. I think adventurous. Are you a proper like adrenaline? And not just so by by adventure, do you not mean just just adrenaline things like jumping out of planes and bungee jumping and stuff? <laughs> you just mean a whole variety of things. Have you done bungee jump by the way? Have you done? Um, I've done. I've not done a bungee. I've done a um, I've done a what do you call it? Um, Tarzan swing, which is basically just a bungee jump, um, but instead of the cord being like above you so you just drop down like with a bungee jump the cord it, it's the whatever it's called the bit that holds it <laughs> I don't know the crane or whatever is like way out in front of you so when you jump down you swing forward if that makes oh, sense so I did that in um Costa Rica with my um well he's now 15 but he was 12 or 13 at the time he did it as well oh wow man good to see as well then yeah he sort of made it was funny the the guys that we were doing um zip lining through the rainforest and um it was like an optional thing because it was quite scary and they said look you don't have to do this we got to this one bit and they said it's here if you want to do it but you don't have to and like it was all adults apart from my joe um and then it was sort of like me and a couple of other middle-aged women and then some other middle-aged men and the men all sort of went no no and then <laughs> Joe kind of goes, I'll do it and you'll do it with me, won't you, Mum? <laughs> no, well, I have to do it now. Yeah, and, that's true. And then a couple, I think then I said yes. Then a couple of the other women said, yeah, right, we'll do it too. And then the men all looked really sheepish and they were <laughs> So then they like reluctantly volunteered. <laughs> That's funny. Shown up by yeah, all the uh, chicks and the kids. <laughs> um, well, yeah. zip, but zip lining through the rainforest as well. Then I mean, if that's that's pretty adventurous. You've had adventures by the sound of it. Yeah, I like. I love to travel, and I just like doing new things. You know, anything by adventure. The same. What do you mean? I guess just like anything new, whether that's new places or, you know, I like my other half's got a camper van that I sort of adopt as my own. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, you know often we won't necessarily even go far I might just go to like Peak District or but we always try and go somewhere that we've not been before or That's cool. it's just nice it doesn't have to be like wild crazy adventures but it's just nice to just new stuff I guess just try and do as much new stuff as I can mm -hmm. I think that's a good way to live your life. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's go on another theme, which I think you like is food. So from your about page, I can see what what would be your last meal on death row? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> like, a, can I have like a banquet? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wonder how much they are allowed. I don't know. I don't know. An all you can eat buffet, basically. <laughs> that's what I'd go for. Um, <laughs> Uh, we used to, talking about Manchester, actually, we used to go to a great all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet in Manchester. Oh, mm. Where? Oh, oh, I can't remember now. It was years ago. I used to be, like, drunk at, like, 3 a.m. in the morning as well. And, <laughs> <laughs> coming out of rock world or something. <laughs> but sorry, let's go back to your food. Go back to your last meal. Um, okay, do you want specific dishes, then? Um, yes. Well, it would have to be, I reckon, starting with the main, it's got to be curry. Like, curry's my, I mean, I can literally eat it all day every day for the rest of my life quite happily what, uh, what's your favorite curry oh well i love um paneer like indian cheese so like sarg paneer is really nice like spinach and cheese or well, actually the huey my five-year-old that's his he always gets mutter paneer which is basically just cheesy peas, <laughs> Indian okay. peas. is it spicy because my, my five-year-old or an eight-year-old they don't have anything spicy is it spicy um, it, you well, not usually if you just have it as a side dish, but you can sort of ask them to make it spicy or not. So no, he's Huey's a bit funny with my five-year-old. He's a bit funny with spice. My fifteen-year-old will eat um, anything. <laughs> he, he's inherited his mother's appetite, so he's me and him both really enjoy spicy stuff. But um, but yeah, and prawns, king prawns. Um, yeah, generally sort of quite like hot, a hot and spicy sort of prawn one i enjoy um yeah it's making me hungry now on this series because <laughs> but you also you say on your about page as well um you say your reputation for being a gannet once saw me win an eating competition against a six foot unit of a man known to his mates as shrek so i, I thought i had to ask you what was that then what was that eating competition <laughs> so it was in it was um in my local pub um which well it's not local now it was when where I lived this was sort of yeah like mid my mid-20s and um I was in the local pub and I can't remember how it came about but it was I think someone had said uh, he'd said oh you know I, I'll eat more he was boasting about his appetite basically and one of my mates said well you've obviously not met Anna then and, <laughs> and it, so it got into this sort of like locking horns about and and so it was really just well how could we prove it there and then in the pub and so it was a pickled it, eggs was it or something no it was crisp so it was oh, it, no. <laughs> it was speed rather than quantity it was who could oh. eat three bags of crisps <laughs> the quickest so we had three we bought each bought three bags of crisps and then like troughed away <laughs> so oh. random, isn't it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, i love that though but you won you won uh, well, I, yeah i do tend to sort of inhale food <laughs> oh, i do love crisps though i love crisps what's yeah. your favorite crisps oh um that's quite a tough one i used to really like tomato snaps actually but i don't know if you remember them they're like red packet i'm sure they've got like a wizard on the front of something weird oh, or a dragon I think so. Yeah, I think I do. 
but I don't think I can eat them anymore. I've not, I don't see them often. I can't eat gluten. I'm pretty sure they've got gluten in them. Um, but I do like um, sort of sweet chili ones, sweet chili crisps, probably my favorite flavor. There's a nice, um, what they call Tyrrells. Tyrrells do a nice sweet chili one. That's posh. That sounds a bit posh, Anna. That's like. <laughs> So with my crisp eating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's cool. Right, cool. Let's go back. Let's go back to photography and go back to that. Um, because I think you know most of our listeners are wedding photographers. Although we do have other photographers listening, and obviously with the start of Reportage Family, you know more family photographers listen as well. But yeah, because because most are wedding photographers. What would be you know your top tips for wedding photographers who are wanting to get into family photography? Then you know right now they're really thinking I would. I would love to get into family stuff. What would be your top tips for them to to, to kind of get into it? Sure. Okay. Well, first of all, um, you are in an amazing position being a wedding photographer of having a, a huge list of warm potential clients, i.e. your past wedding clients, because, you, you, you know, getting a booking, 80% of that is like them already knowing like and trusting you and so I think a big mistake people make is to instantly focus on um you know bringing in new clients find you know people who don't know about them yet and it's just missing a massive trick because why start from scratch when you've already done 80% of the work of getting them to know like and trust you with your past clients so revisit past clients let all you might think that your ex-wedding clients know that you shoot families but they probably don't um so email them you know get in touch with them and let them know in case you didn't know i'm now doing this you could even do like a special offer for past clients to incentivize them to do it so definitely make use of your existing client base um yeah, and then do a big thing again that people tend to struggle with when they want to make the transition is, can I shoot families in the way that I want to shoot them? And, oh, I'm worried that people won't want the style that I do and they feel. So do, like, it's up to you how many you do, but, you know, maybe say, like, you're going to try and do five or ten, like, free portfolio building shoots, but you choose the clients and then you can shoot it in exactly the way that you want to do it. You're not thinking stressing out because they've paid you it's like you're doing them a favor you're giving them free photography um make sure that you get ask them beforehand to agree that you can use them on your website and stuff otherwise it's no use to anyone (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah that's that's the payment really in exchange for getting the free photos is that you can use them online Mm. um and uh yeah, and then you've got a portfolio of shots done exactly how you want to do it. And people want what they see. So, you know, you show what you want more of. So that way you're starting off right from the start with work that is exactly how you want it to be. And you will attract people who are like-minded. Very so cool. I think those probably... That's great. Ones. Yeah, it's great advice. And and, and yeah, and, and your past wedding clients being warm uh, leads, that's uh, brilliant, uh, really good advice. And what, after you've gone through those kind of like warm leads then, and and maybe you've been doing the family work for a year or so, in terms of marketing, which we, we spoke about is so important and getting yourself out there, what, yeah. what's what been like some of the most effective, you know, things for you? Um, definitely collaborations with other brands who serve the same target audience. So 
Um, I've had a couple of, so for example, there are uh, two brands that I've done work with both. I've, I've done paid work for them, uh, sort of shooting commercially for them, but also I've then done various collaborations with them because we got on really well and, you know, our, we've got the same kind of ethos. There's a, 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 a reusable nappy company called Baba and Boo and there's a um, sort of children's sort of lifestyle store, toys and clothes and homewares called Acorn and Pip. So they're their audiences are very much like my type of families you know we've got the same sort of ethos the same target client by doing things together we're introducing um each other's audience to the other brand so you know it's mutually beneficial so tap into other people's audiences think of some way that you can help them and their audience and then it's like being introduced by a mate at a party you know you're it's like they're if they're saying oh this is Anna she's you know really cool have a look at her stuff people are much more likely to be on board with that than if I just sort of barge in on my own going hi I'm Anna look at me <laughs> you know what I mean it's like, yeah so definitely collaborations with like-minded brands who serve the same target clients cool good advice as well this is great it's so cool I love this it's cool um and what do you what do you find the most challenging aspect of family photography to be hmm. um yeah probably marketing because I think it's um it, it's something that I've definitely like I said I've had to sort of slap myself around the face a bit and say you know get a grip and just do it, it it's something that doesn't I sort of struggled with for quite a long time feeling like a bit sort of well for want of a better word like icky about kind of promoting yourself you know it just feels a bit cringy and actually getting to grips with marketing and realizing that it isn't cringy it's just it, it it's just so it's just letting people you could be the best photographer in the world doesn't if people don't know you there what's the point you know it's oh, yeah. letting people know that you're there and getting the biggest thing that helped that I used to struggle with was feeling like I'm inconveniencing them in some way by letting them know about what I do you you know you feel like you're kind of well that's not good me telling them but actually a big mindset shift that really helped me is basically you have to believe and know that what you're doing is helpful to people because if it's not you shouldn't be doing it (laughs) you know you shouldn't be selling a service if you don't believe it genuinely will benefit those people. So given that, let's assume you know that what you're doing is beneficial to them, you're kind of doing them a disservice by not letting them know about it. You know, and you're just letting people know about something that is going to be beneficial to them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that enables you to run your business. It's just there's nothing sort of you're not strong arming people into booking you. That's no. really different. <laughs> you're not going like door to door, are you? It's not, you're not bothering people. <laughs> well, that's, you know, only, only during t- hard times. <laughs> Do you imagine that, you know, that it's probably a numbers game that would probably work like every like a hundred, you know, the hundredth door that you do, it might actually work, but yeah, I couldn't do well, that. But do you know what though? You've hit the nail on the head there when you say then it's a numbers game, because that's exactly what marketing and lead generation is. Like 
loads of people, um, photographers, whether they're wedding or family photographers, will say, I just can't get enough bookings. But 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 then they're not doing anything to bring in lots of leads, which is marketing, because it's a numbers game. Say you convert like one in ten leads and actually even that if you're doing that that's really good you yeah. know the really high hit rate generally it's usually about you know five percent well above. it depends what kind of leads i mean there are different depends whether they're cold leads or warm leads or whatever but without getting into all that you know the conversion rate from leads to bookings is very low for anyone no matter how good you are it just most people won't book. So if you want bookings, you've just got to get those leads. You have to be getting those leads because it is a numbers game. And if you've only got small numbers of leads, what hope have you got to then get decent numbers of bookings? You've got to get those leads in, you know, because um, it is a numbers so game. Yeah. So true. Yeah, so true. And like, um, and I think different, having different avenues of different kind of marketing leads, I think is good. Like diversification in general, it's obviously the year of this pandemic, diversification <laughs> has been <laughs> the forefront of, um, of so many of us. But yeah, diversification within marketing, I think. Like, so like, you know, for me, for my weddings, it's like, you know, SEO, but then social media as well, because you don't know what's going to happen if one kind of dries up. So I think and that's good as well. Yeah, I would say what I would definitely say with that is that it's it's good to try different things, but don't I, I would always advise just doing one at a time, because I think otherwise it's so easy to get overwhelmed and to feel like, well, I need to be doing SEO and I need to be collaborating and I need to do Facebook ads and I need to do Instagram and I need to do this. And, you know, it's literally it just makes you feel like your head's going to explode. That's true. And, and kind of like I was saying with the with me deciding to scrap all the other types of education to to distill it down into one, or it's it's the same principle of that you can it's better to do one thing really well than to try and do like eight things half assed. That's know? so true. Yeah. And Definitely. your energy levels will thank you for it as well. And so definitely try it, it with marketing there is no one right kind of marketing and you're quite right there are loads of different ones that you can try and you should pick one that sits right with you that you actually feel like you know I don't hate the thought of doing this you know I think that one seems doable mm. for me try, that's so true if it works you know arguably do you even need to do any other types of marketing just rinse and repeat if it's working mm. it's bringing leads in just keep doing it if it doesn't work try something else that but, is true mm. yeah that is true and that's like and you can say that even just i totally agree with you even within social media itself you know don't think that you have to have a presence on every single social media platform just uh, you can experiment and then see the ones like whether it's facebook whether it's instagram the ones that bring you the bookings and then put your energy into those ones yeah. exactly and that will be different for different people because mm. you don't love being somewhere you aren't most likely going to do a very good job of it like if you're not in people know when you're enjoying something you can tell and you know if if it's something that's just a total chore to you my advice would be just sack it off mm. like just you know what's the point because you're not you potentially you could even do your business harm because if they come across you on that platform and you just look like you don't really enjoy being there or know what you're doing and it's all hodgepodge it doesn't make your brand look very good that's you know, true 
better to scrap it and just make sure that wherever people encounter you, you're on fire. Do you know what I mean? That is definitely true. Yeah. And I love I love the way you use the words hot hotchpotch again. You use that in your I've noticed you used it on your roost <laughs> course. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's such a cool word. I love it. <laughs> At least I'm not trying to say who for <laughs> It's half, it's half, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, let's go to another question. Let's go to Jade's question. Um, have you, I like this question. Well, it's, it's, it's sometimes quite interesting. Have you made any really memorable mistakes? Oh, um, well, I can say without thinking of any examples, yes, because I know <laughs> that even if I, I can't instantly think of examples, I know that I've, how I felt like, oh my God so many times um yeah I would be able to think of lots of them mistakes with well <laughs> so you're saying memorable mistakes so do you mean yeah. like embarrassingly memorable or... that sounds good yeah that sounds good <laughs> well from like a sort of uh what do you call it um oh god I these silly words again um like slapstick point of view I've split my trousers um oh. climbing up onto a tractor to do <laughs> a group shot you know like the big group shot of the whole wedding where there's oh, like yeah. 150 people or whatever and they're in a field and I climbed up onto a tractor and just yeah completely split my trousers and the video guy's face was <laughs> basically in my eyes all <laughs> and um so I've done that I've also fallen down a bank and got covered in mud Ooh, um, nice yeah just like what you know when you're shooting and walking backwards and just not looking where you're going oh uh, yeah mm. that. um so that's kind of silly mistake but I've also um just generally made mistakes like when I first started um doing family photography like buying I would say it's a mistake like I bought you know a projector and loads of samples and did like in-home in-person sales and it was just disastrous because I'm so bad at it and <laughs> I taught that was an absolute mistake because it was just horrible for everyone involved like I was just fumbling my way through this really awful sales pitch that I didn't want to be doing they're looking at me like just shut up and go away <laughs> and then I'm trying to talk them out of buying things because I feel like I don't want to be salesy it, it just you know when you just yeah mistake so actually <laughs> stopping doing all that was that's yeah well, that's really interesting though and you mentioned you talk about you kind of talk about that when you did that tonte I can't even talk tonte 10 <laughs> 10 top tips no. video that you did uh, <laughs> for, for members um so if you're a member of TIR family uh, Anna did a video for us which is super 10 top tips and you spoke about that and I think that is again a misconception that some people have about family photography that you have to do it that way that you like have to do in-person sales and obviously it works for some people but for others like for you you you, you found you don't have to do that and you you can do things your own way and still be you know making a successful business yeah exactly there's no one size fits all like it would be wrong for me to say you mustn't do in-person sales because it really works for some people and um, just as it's wrong for them to say you must do in-person sales because like I don't and that really works for me and there'll be loads of people you can argue any you can choose any approach to shooting selling you know your star anything and you'll find people to argue that that's the right way to do it because we're all different it's exactly how it should be 
and That's yeah, so there's just no one size fits all. And you've just got to, it's like I was saying with the marketing, you've just got to find something that sits right with you and that you feel confident and positive about. Because if you're confident and positive about it, that's infectious. Other people will be as well. And the same in reverse. If you're feeling like me with the stupid samples and getting, set, and you know, I'm not very technically, my, you know, it's like fannying around with the plugs and you know, <laughs> just not really knowing what I'm doing. I mean, it's just awful. So, it just that's not and you're giving off I'm giving off these like cringy oh my god get me out of here vibes which obviously <laughs> isn't going to make them feel like they really want to yeah, give me their money yeah. <laughs> yeah they're just like get this weird woman out of my house but <laughs> maybe that's a good excuse to give you money like I'll give you money and you leave you leave <laughs> Amy to go away I think that's probably what happened but like yeah it definitely mistake wise was and I would say that this is like a category of mistakes. When I say I can think of loads of cases, the, when when I've kind of done that inward groan of like, oh, no, that just wasn't a good way to do things. It's almost always been I've done something because I've seen that someone else is doing it and I thought I should be doing it rather than because it actually felt OK to me, whether that's cocking up a shot or, you know, doing it just you, if it works it works it doesn't matter if someone else isn't doing it that way if it works for you then that's the right thing I think that's great advice really good top level advice for yeah for everything that we do I think I don't know if it's a a photography thing especially I think because we see so many photographers all the time on social media doing these things showing these things we always have these thoughts that we have to be doing these things I mean we, we really don't no, and it's just 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 because it works for someone else doesn't mean it will work for you. Like you mm-hmm. have to find your own way of doing it. And actually, do you know this is very weird because it just imme- immediately made me think of you know we spoke earlier about with the skydiving, and I said I had to go to my reserve parachute. Oh yeah. What happened was I went to go for my ripcord, and I didn't get it. I couldn't get it, and you, you know you're only supposed to go for it once, and you know in reality you go for it a few times, but. You, and then you have to cut away and go to reserves now the reason it happened afterwards my pat the guy the jump master who i was saying he you have to do a debriefing obviously with any reserve and they want to know exactly what happened and how and and all the rest of it and what had happened was i was doing my drills on the ground before the jump where i was practicing reaching for my ripcord and what happened was, and I'd done several jumps like this, always getting my ripcord every time. And this really experienced skydiver walked past me and he went, oh, you know, are you doing your jump? I said, yeah, I'm a bit nervous. And he said, oh, go on, show me your drills then. And he went, oh, is that how you go for your ripcord? And I went, well, yeah. And he went, oh, right. Well, I always do it like this, you know, and showed me like he just moved his arm in a slightly different way. And I thought, right, well, he's so much more experienced. You know, I need to do it how he does it. Uh-huh. And, and that's what I tried to do and I didn't get it and went into a spin and had to cut away and use my reserve and when I told Pat this afterwards when he said so what happened he was like all your drills before were fine all the previous jumps were fine and I said well I was chatting to I can't remember his name now but whatever this guy was and he t- and Pat went crazy he went you never listen to anyone else he went like if it works for you, it works for you. Like it, that worked, you know, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. It doesn't matter if he does it a different way. That works for him. This works for you. Don't ever let me hear you 
listening that you've listened to anyone else apart from me or you you know and and I think that's such it's exactly the same principle just it's so tempting to look at people who are more experienced and think well they must know better but the fact is the proof's in the pudding like doesn't matter if they do it differently and get wildly amazing results the fact is if you can do it confidently and capably and it's working for you don't question it like you know because you could try doing what they do and completely trip up because it's just not the right thing for you personally and you know so try not to be distracted by like every shiny object um you know oh well they're doing killing it on instagram and oh this person's using pinterest and this person's doing it's like doesn't matter just do what feels right and comfortable to you and you you're you're far less likely to trip up that way that is absolutely brilliant advice and I think it's awesome how you've got you could get that that story um to that (laughs) as well I think that is so cool yeah don't don't do what someone else does because you might almost die like you did as well there so (laughs) that is so good Anna and honestly I I think we're uh, we've got I I was going to ask one more question but I think that is just such a good one just to end it on and we've got wow it's an hour and five minutes already so yeah I'm gonna have to gonna have to end it but that was just the perfect ending story to end it on and it's such a great meaning to that as well I think that is so cool proper cool proper cool (laughs) Anna thank you so much for your time that was so cool thanks for having me I really I always enjoy chatting to you oh it's lovely so thanks for having me. Oh, it's an honour to have you on here. And it was an honour to have you judging for us. And thank you again for doing that video for us. And oh, it's, it's just it's so cool. Um, yeah, anyone's listening now um, whilst maybe parachuting? I don't know. Can you listen to podcasts while parachuting? <laughs> it's not advisable. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can. <laughs> maybe now maybe these days yeah um but yeah head to this reportage.com i'll include um links to anna's website and her new training um and yeah and example of your awesome work as well and yeah Anna, hopefully get to see you in the flesh sometime although i don't know when that'll be but i know me too yeah fingers crossed not too long eh i know definitely i'll take care and thanks so much for having me Thank you for coming on. That was awesome talking to you. Thanks for just being so open and fun. And yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks. (laughs) See you later. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to the 45th episode of the This Reportage podcast. Anna was so great. Hope you enjoyed listening. As mentioned, she will be releasing a brand new membership site soon, The Shutterhood. I've witnessed Anna's training firsthand, so I know how good an educator she is. I'm sure The Shutterhood will be brilliant. If you head over to our site, this is reportage.com, I'll include a link through to more details of it, where you can also go on the waiting list and you'll get an exclusive discount when launched. This is Reportage and this is Reportage family members receive an exclusive discount on Anna's The Roost online family photography course too. Sign into your account and visit the members area to see how to get this exclusive discount. We have 44 other episodes of the podcast release with photographers such as The Framers, Alison Bounce, Tyler Workin, Adam Johnson, Andrew Billington, Alex Kuss and many more. If you're not yet a member of TIR, check out all the benefits of joining us, including an unlimited number of images on your profile, 60 reportage award and 18 story award entries per year, invites to our physical meetups and parties, exclusive discounts, over 17 hours of educational videos featuring tips and advice from some of the world's best photographers with more videos added regularly and much more. Deadline for our next round of awards is under a week away now, 2359 BST on 23rd of September 2020. 
We've also recently launched our sister site for documentary family photography. This is Reportage Family, which also has the same awards deadline. No poses, nothing staged. This is Reportage. And this is bye for now. <laughs>